And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 619. Going to continue recapping the MLB hot stove, do some December ADP debates, get you ready for the 2024 season, which will be the next time you hear from the show in 2024. In order to help me do some more fun fantasy baseball stuff on the show as a friend of the podcast, you can find him on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. Ben Tid, how are we doing, my friend? Hey, Bob, I'm doing great. Like I mentioned to you before, I'm pretty deep into my positional rankings, so I'm hopefully up to speed with the, the debates we're about to have. And um, yeah, I'm excited for the season, or at least the prep to get going. So I know like you've been drafting for a while. I have a couple of weeks probably till I start drafting, but I'm looking forward to it now. Yep, looking forward to seeing you in the streets. It's going to be fun. But uh, it, I, I joked with Ryan yesterday as we finished recording. Uh, my, like I usually do one draft at a time. I had, I had a Gladiator and a uh, DC going. And I told him, I said, I only have one pick left in both. I don't know what I'm going to do starting tomorrow. So um, I got to figure out if I want to take a breather for the holidays, which probably not going to happen, or um, what, what I want to jump into. Because I don't know if I want another DC like I, I might do a 50s just because those DCs, man, those late rounds just make you want to. If I had hair to pull out, I'd pull it out. That's because it's it's brutal. It's brutal stuff. Like they, they matter in the end. We always just talk about it that you'll be surprised when you use that reliever that you didn't think you need in round 49. You'll use them. But uh, it sucks. It sucks in a big way. Um, but, yeah, no, it's going to be fun to see you out there. And uh, what's your plans for uh, draft season? I think we talked about it before, but have you fine-tuned uh, what you got planned uh, this season? Yeah, I'm so I'm I'm signed up for three uh, DCs right now. Uh, I'm gonna go with the 400s um, this time around, and um, I might jump into a 150 depending on if I have some downtime, you know. Because um, there's, there's usually a gap between my DC drafts and then like the live drafts, of course, because I only do one at a time, unlike you. <laughs> and uh, so I kind of pace myself out. So, so usually like end of February, I might have some free time, so I might do one more there. But um. Yes, I have my two main events I'm going to do. Um, Hopefully the solo shot on the NFBC fills up. I'm looking forward to that if if it does. Um, I'm going to try an auction. We talked about that before, at least one of those, and uh, another main event qualifier. Um, I I like starting the draft season off with those. So it's about, I think it's like eight or or nine NFBC leagues right now. Not bad. And that qualifier is a good warm-up for you for someone doing the main events like you do is, A, it's you can win a main event for next year, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But, B, it also kind of gets you the – the DCs are great to learn the depth of the player pool with that qualifier. gives you a good – you know, it's a 15-team league. We're drafting. Like, here we go. Let's see where it goes. gives you the fab process. Obviously different in season, but you get the gist of what I'm trying to say there. It uh, definitely gets you ready to rock and roll. Let's talk some uh, hot stove action here. A little bit after the last Benched with Bubba episode, it happened. The Dodgers struck again. Actually, they struck on Thursday right before Ryan and I recorded that night. And I remember very clearly now. Um, it, uh, Yoshi, I just call him Yoshi. Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Actually, I just call him Yamamoto, to be honest. Uh, Yamamoto signs with the Dodgers. He actually had his press conference in L.A. about an hour ago from this recording time uh let's just be real about it what's your thoughts on yamamoto because it's very tricky ryan and i did our top 20 sp show and like we moved him into the top 20 but there's still questions like where does he rank what are we doing type thing so what's your thoughts on this whole yamamoto dodgers fun i was really hoping he was going to go somewhere else besides the dodgers I was in half- yeah i know you <laughs> agree uh yeah like well, all, well, the one thing, though, like if you're rooting against the Dodgers, like we both are, um, 
he's he, he's unproven. Like I, I think people were saying that Kodai is better was better, right? Is that what I heard? Yeah, I've, I've heard something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Kodai, like he was definitely very good last year. Um, he had had his warts, and with Yamamoto, like I was looking up this like his stats before we uh, hopped on today. And uh, one thing I heard about on a podcast, and it, this is definitely something that we worried about if um, as the Dodgers are just in fantasy too, probably more so for dynasties, but his size, he's only 5'10". Mm-hmm. So um, like one of the best shorter pitchers I can think of is like Sonny Gray. And uh, as we all know, he's had health issues um, in his career. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see um, where he ends up, especially for like a main event. Um, come March to see how much helium he has because with the ADP that we use for the show, he's um 60th. He's the 60th player overall right now, and that's just through December DCs. At least that's what I'm looking at right now. And he got he went as high as 45. Yes, I see that lowest 72. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, that's nine nine drafts that that ADP makes up. So yeah, it's definitely gonna go up high. He's probably gonna be projected for a decent amount of wins. You know, you can't really project wins, but that's gonna be very valuable. Um, we all struggle to find wins in season, and uh, yeah, I mean, his numbers are, in Japan are very good. So it's just a matter of how do they translate. So um, with all that said, I don't know if I'll draft him at all this year, just because there's so much uncertainty and starting pitching is crazy enough as it is without extra uncertainty. So I'll probably just let him be someone else's potential headache or. Uh, an extra Christmas gift. Yep, I'm with you, Joel. In the chat, asked, uh, "Will either of you uh, roster him this season?" And there's a great chance I won't. Uh, Yancey Eaton joins the party. It's great to see Yancey around. And goes, mm-hmm. would it surprise anyone if Yamamoto is just fine this year? I think he'll be a good pitcher. I, I, I think he will be. But I agree with like Ben. And there's two things: is I'm a very risk averse guy, so like the unknown scares me at that ADP, like we're talking about. Because I think he'll creep closer to the 45 than to the 72. I think he's going to keep moving up, like we were talking about. So it's just a combination of how, how do you want to approach it. Like you mentioned, very, very good, 25 years old, super young. There's there's just questions on how can it translate to the bigs, which maybe it goes great, maybe it doesn't. Who knows? Great team to pitch for, of course. Um, I think he'll be good, but I think there's other quote-unquote proven guys in the bigs I'd rather take chances on at that point, right or wrong. That's That's what I'll live with. When you mentioned short pitchers, another one that comes to my mind, Tim Lincecum. That was a fun one, a great career, but no pun intended, a shorter career than it probably should have been uh, just because everyone said it forever, given he had a violent uh, wind-up and everything where Yamamoto might not as as much, but um, it, it could be really interesting. Uh, Nancy makes a great point, and it's one thing we, we talk about sometimes, probably not enough, is when people sign – or get traded, There's someone's going to take their spot in ADP in theory. So Yancey mentions, I'm really excited to uh, to be one of the reasons other SP values fall to me. <laughs> so he, uh, he he wants to see how, how that all plays out. So it'll be interesting. You got Glass now, innings, innings limit questions at times. You have um, you obviously have Yamamoto now, Bueller coming back from his injury, um, Bobby Miller, second big season, Emmett Sheehan, it's a good rotation, but there's still a lot of question marks there. So it wouldn't shock me if they, they're already linked. The Dodgers are already linked to a deal for Emmanuel Classe and Shane Bieber from Cleveland. So it just gets better and better. Just, so keep your I that might drop after the show, is my guess. But that was that's a rumor right now, which if you yeah, I'm like, we'll just leave it at that. We'll talk about it later. Um Pittsburgh, the one I, thing though, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the one thing I was thinking about today that I haven't heard, but I, I think it makes sense is I could see them going to a six-man rotation because they have Yamamoto, who, who's used to six-man, and they have 
like you mentioned, all the either young starters or the injury risk starters. So, I mean, it would make sense for them to do it. I, just, I don't know if they will, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And, yeah, with the injury risk starters, with the young starters, the innings concerns, it all makes sense. At the same time, it's the old, like, you probably want glass now every fifth day. You like, there's certain guys you just want. So, on paper, it makes a ton of sense. I'm with you. Will they do it? We'll see. I think they might just be – I know this much, you know, between a Giants fan and just playing fantasy – it seems like every year the Dodgers have tons of pitching depth. We've always said that. Like it was last year, the year before, they had like eight guys. You'd be like, okay, it all makes sense in the rotation. By the end of the year, they were like throwing some scrub as their fifth guy because they all got hurt. So depth is great to have, and we'll see if it actually matters in the end type situation. Pittsburgh Pirates, they brought back Andrew McCutcheon. And first off, if you, if you guys didn't see it on Twitter, McCutcheon put out an amazing video. If you guys have seen Wolf of Wall Street, he kind of basically put Wolf of Wall Street but did all the pirate stuff over the top but I'm not leaving type thing. That was good. But uh, Kutch is great for the fans, great for the players. What's your thoughts on Kutch for fantasy this season? I, I would like him more, I think, if he had outfield eligibility. At least in the NFBC, he's just utility only right now. Uh, that's tough, especially when he's at the this point in his career. It's like if it was someone more like J.D. Martinez or Marcel Zuna, who's got a little more thumb still, it would be a different story. But um, I liked him last year as a late 200 or like 300 round uh, ADP pick. I'm not sure where he's going right now. I haven't gotten that far into the player pool yet, but uh, if you look at his stats from last year, he still performed pretty well when he was on the field. Um, he's definitely, well, of course he's a year older now, but um, he, he's definitely more of a draft and hold pick for sure, because you're, you would hope for him to gain outfield eligibility eventually, but I don't know if it's going to happen in Pittsburgh. I think he's going to be the DH most days, but uh He's still a serviceable player. It's just um, how it fits into your lineup. ADP in December 618, as high as 515. Oh. Yeah, so for, for sure then. Yeah, for DCs, I'm in. I'm with you. There will be some platooning. There will be days off because of age. He's going to be 30, 37 right now. He's getting older. And um, I, I know he's a few hits away from like his home run totals he's looking for and certain things. So this is kind of a little swan song deal as it feels like. But Good on catch in, in deeper like DCs and whatnot. Definitely interested. Otherwise, I'll be out. Tom Murphy signed to the Giants. Just mentioning this as a Giants fan because, A, I think it's a great backup. He actually has a very good hitting catcher compared to other quote-unquote backup catchers. But the reason I wanted to bring it up, and if you have anything else to add, that's fine. Um, bye-bye, Joey Bart. That's just the way I, like, he's, he's gone. That's the end of that. Maybe he's going to figure it out somewhere else. But for those that kept hanging on in hopes of Joey Bart, that's pretty much the end. Do you think it's gonna be mostly Patrick Bailey still? Like, yes, okay. I still I still think it's Bailey primarily. And Bailey's a switch hitter, which is nice. But his Bailey's defense is Gold Glove defense. He's gonna be out there a ton. Um, I, I think it's gonna be great to have Murphy to, to spare him from time to time. But it, it's Bailey's show. I think he's gonna get about the 75 percent of the run. That's that'd be my guess. Could be totally overthinking it, but I think I think it's Bailey's gig for sure. Yeah, because like you mentioned, Tom Murphy has some pretty good underlying metrics uh, last season. So if he could DH or something, it might be useful in a draft champions or something. But yeah. On the Giants, he definitely could DH. Just trust me on that one. That's definitely <laughs> an option to have two catchers in the lineup at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Happened last year with Blake Sable and Bailey all the time. Right. So definitely an option. Uh, the, an interesting one with the Mets. They went and uh, traded for Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor from the Milwaukee Brewers. And – not flashy per se, but like Hauser is a serviceable guy when healthy can eat up innings, and the Mets need that. And then Taylor's a pretty good outfielder. No, Kerwin tweeted out a, 
a nice little second half tweet on that. And uh, it used to be, you know, he'd be a platoon guy, but when he got to play every day, it was nice. So what's your thoughts on this move? Because this might have more fancy implications, I think people think. Yeah, so, well, Hauser is it's probably like a lateral move for him because the Brewers and the Mets, like their offenses aren't that – I mean, the Mets probably have a better offense, honestly, than the Brewers do. It's probably a little bit deeper. Yeah. So maybe he gets a few more wins. Um, but with Taylor, so he should have everyday plate appearances, which is going to be nice. And then it also frees up the guys on the Brewers now. Uh so like it'll be uh, I think Gary Mitchell was the big one who's who's going to be sitting with him with him there. So I think Mitchell will be playing now. But um yeah I was I was going to mention in Curlin's tweet that you already mentioned. So he ended the season pretty well it looks like and uh, he's always been someone as a power speed combo late in um, deeper leagues and uh, definitely will, he'll be someone I'll be willing to draft now and as I start with my draft champions in a couple weeks. But um yeah it's probably a, a win win for the outfielders on both teams. Yeah Taylor's much more on my list now. It's kind of like yeah whatever he's cool but. December ADP of 470. He's got his highest 303, though. That's that's, pro- that's probably like since the trade, he's getting up there. Still not bad, 303. Like, that's not a bad fourth or fifth outfielder at that point. Right. But um, much more interested in Tyrone Taylor now. And again, Hauser and a guy like in, in DC's probably not in a redraft. He's more of a streamer in that format. DC's, I don't mind him because, unless, like I said, unless there's an injury, he's going out there every fifth day and he's usually doesn't kill you but he can like it's just one of those guys that he'll have his moments where he's very serviceable and, and drafted hold formats shelby miller signed with the detroit tigers and many might go who cares bubba and i get it that's fair but it's the detroit tigers shelby miller did have a save or two with the dodgers last year and um again i'll curlin brought this to my attention but i, I looked at the tweet that um the it was the gm said that they loved Miller's stuff so much he's a back-end-of-the-bullpen-type arm. So any interest in a guy like Shelby Miller? You could say no, that's fine. <laughs> it depends on how it looks uh, in those late draft and hold rounds. But, um, yeah, he had a 171 ERA last year, and uh, yeah. it seems like the Dodgers fixed him. It's just one of those things, though, can he keep those changes, or was it just like a fluky thing like we've seen with our other Dodger pitchers? Um, yeah, so like I don't know if – They'll be tri- well. Lang is twenty eight. Foley's twenty eight, and those were the two op- main closing guys last year. Yep. So some guys would have to either get hurt or get traded from to probably get a spot, unless they're this awful. Um, there we all know that Lang had problems with walks last year. So yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking for some safe, um, not relatively safe innings late in, in a draft and hold, then I, I would be interested. If you don't want a, a starter at that point. Yeah, no, that, that's kind of where I'm at. If you look at that Detroit bullpen. It's murky. I was peeking at it last night for late round picks. Like you mentioned Foley. Uh, you mentioned Lang. You got Miller there. You got Chafin, who they brought in, a lefty guy that's got save experience. Like Lang's going to start out, but we all know Lang's got his warts. Very obvious stuff. Foley was pretty good last year. Both could easily get traded. So could Chafin. So could Miller. It's a messy situation. Probably one worth avoiding, to be honest, but it's out there if, if you're curious. This move shocked me. Big time. I did not see this as the landing spot for Mitch Garver, but Mitch Garver made it to Seattle, which it's twofold. Like he's projected to be the DH, so that's cool. Because uh, in reality, Cal Raleigh's the dude. Like there's, he's not replacing Cal Raleigh. Cal Raleigh can switch it. So how does this look for you when you're looking at Mitch Garver for fantasy? Who, you know, when playing when Jonah Heim was hurt was a monster, but when Jonah Heim came back, he was more of the DH kind of occasional catcher. It was good, but not great. So how does that work for you? Yeah, he's someone that I uh, 
so when I was doing my catcher rankings, um, he stuck, he stood out a lot because like everything was dark green or green on my uh, on my sheet that I look at. So um, and I think I got a little too crazy when I uh, adjusted for the for the move because right now I'm on my catcher eleven and he's going later than that right now. But um, I want to see what projections say before I move him again because we know how how he matches when he's healthy. So I think this will help keep him healthy and uh, it's, it'll be good for him to, so it's interesting that you said, it sounds like he was better as a catcher than a a DH. Um, So I'm sure he'll DH more than he catches, but I I still think he'll be a good hitter regardless. He'll be a good hitter. I I meant he was better uh, as a catcher because he played more. That was all it was. Because he was playing very sporadically when uh jonah heim was the dude all right yeah so there's he's gonna fill that dh spot i think and uh, he should be in the lineup most days so i he's gonna get a lot of plate appearances outside of the catcher position which is that was just huge when you're catcher eligible so i i'm a big fan of him um i'll probably draft him a, a decent amount i think yeah i've been so torn on how the move sits if they stick him at dh i am all aboard i think that's gonna be absolutely awesome i'm just hoping that's what they do but because the, the Mariners, you, every time you get comfortable with their roster, there's three more trades to go. Like, you just don't know what they're doing. I think they're they're trying to be cheap this offseason, so hopefully this is kind of the end game, but we'll kind of have to wait and see, obviously, as it is December 27th. A couple more here. Kevin Kiermaier returns to the Toronto Blue Jays. Some might not care, but he played almost 130 games for the Jays last year. He's got some speed, hit for a decent average. If the Jays' offense comes back to reality, that could be huge as well. ADP is 604 right now, which is super low for a guy that can play nearly every day. So what's your thoughts on Kiermaier? Because this is a, at least a nice in-game dart. Yeah, I agree. He's a, He was someone that I was looking to add on occasion last year in uh, the 15-teamers I played in just because of how barren uh, free agency was. But, yeah, he's um as long as he can stay healthy, he's, he has some talent. It's just he's never been able to stay healthy for, like, a decent stretch in his career. But – um. Yeah, like you mentioned, good speed, power. So he's definitely. I wonder if he's better in uh, in um, fab leagues because you could drop him if he's hurt. Because if if he's hurt on your draft and hold, then he's kind of you, you you want to pick in that range to be able to be plugged in um, to some degree. So it's it's tough to figure out where he's better to be drafted in, but definitely someone I'm looking to draft potentially. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Much more intriguing as that goes on. Then a couple more kind of quickies, I guess. The Jays brought or they went and signed IKF Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Um pretty much a utility dude. I streamed that at times last year in 15s. I'll be 100 percent honest. I'll raise my hand on that one. He was very serviceable at times. And I guess the good thing with uh IKF is he's got third base and outfoot eligibility. So does him going from the Yankees to the Jays change anything for you? For fantasy, not really. As a Yankee fan, I'm very happy because he played way too much for them last year. Like they, they had him in center field when he's a, an uh-huh. infielder, and he wasn't good enough as a, a hitter to, to warrant being in the outfield. It was very frustrating. But um, yeah, I could see him being uh, a, a good add in season if someone gets hurt on the Blue Jays. But uh, he's not a target for me otherwise. Hundred percent. And then last but not least, Yankees traded Estevan Florial, a talented prospect, hasn't really figured it out in the bigs to the Guardians for pitcher Cody Morris could say the same thing about him. He's shown some decent stuff uh, up in the bigs. Didn't have a great year last year. So now you get him to, um, to the Yanks who do need pitching since they traded it all to San Diego. 
Um, does this do anything for you? Like I took Cody Morris in round 49 of a DC thinking, okay, I could get a shot at some point. We'll see. But like, are you, and, and I, I liked Florio last year when he had his chance to lead off, he got the speed, still couldn't produce a ton of the plates. So any thoughts on those two? No. Yeah. I think Florio's projected for the bench right now in roster resource for the guardians. Uh, but I mean, their outfield isn't, isn't too strong anyway, so I could see him cracking it at some point. Yeah, like, he, like his K rate was very high last year, poor contact rate, low exit velocity, awful barrel rate of 2.4%. So he's definitely struggled when the Yankees have called him up. And, uh, I mean, he might just be like a quad A player potentially. But um, I, I'm excited to see what what they do with Morris because, like you alluded to, they traded all their starting pitching depth. Uh, he's projected for the minors right now, Morris, but – I'm not sure what their plans are because so I was looking at his uh, last couple of years earlier and he's really becoming a, a reliever now probably to, to keep him healthy and they could really use him as a starter right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that pick where you took him because he could either be a valuable bullpen arm if you have a, if you're a bit hard by injuries or he could be, end up being a, maybe a decent starter because it wasn't that long ago that people were very excited about him when he was healthy still. And uh He's never came up to the Guardians and made it into the rotation. Well, they have so much pitching depth, so it's maybe not all his fault. But, um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with him in spring training. If he's a starter, then I could see taking a shot at him in um, redraft leagues or in uh, fab leagues. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where that goes for Cody Morris. The talent was there at one point. Injuries derailed that. Can he find a, a niche on the way back? And Florial speed's like legit, so could be a fun one if he gets the regular playing time. Both may be better for the waiver wire, as Ben mentioned, but someone's to Jeff definitely keep an eye on. It's the only reason I wanted to bring it up. It was kind of one of those trades where, like, huh, this could be better for both guys. Like, a fresh start. Let's go figure this out and see how it goes. And no, we won't talk Martin Maldonado. Just T's and P's to Max Stassi because that kind of sucks there. All right. NFPC ADP debates. These are fun. These are stuff you can do all off season. And the biggest thing is, like in certain scenarios, A, you might not want either guy. That's totally fine. That's part of it. B, you might want both guys. That's fine too. But C, it's just fun because they're going right next to each other. And one thing like we've talked about on other shows, like with Ryan and then some other bench with Bubba's, is sometimes it's that little thing where they both look great, but one will go off and one could cr- like ruin your team. And like how to predict that, who knows? That's That's the hardest part of this game we play. Like, how, how do we do that? But that's what's fun about these discussions is at least it kind of, you know, both might be elite players, both might finish elite. But at the same time, if one doesn't, that's a gigantic difference. So to get other people's opinions on it is very nice. So let's start at the catcher's position, not because I love catchers, but just because that's how it goes down the list, people. And, but we will start with one that I truly love just because he's ranked right next to a guy that I've never been able to fall in love with, but so many people do. So William Contreras, the, you know, you know, happy belated birthday on Christmas Eve, William Contreras, ADP of 85 against Will Smith. It's 85.38 versus Will Smith, 85.75. Will Smith is a crowd favorite. He's been a crowd favorite for a few years now. He's always like that catcher three, catcher two, catcher three. People love him, can't quit him. He had a bit of a down year last year, but still pretty good. William was the best catcher in baseball. Um, how do you go into draft season uh, going like, debating these two yeah so uh i think this is the third straight show i've been on and we've talked about William Contreras. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's what i have to do it's how i get yeah. it's how i get paid my zero dollars for every episode <laughs> <laughs> which i'm fine with I'm, I'm a fan of, of williams as well uh yeah so i also have them back to back in my initial catcher rankings i have william 
second and Will Smith third. Um, but even though they're back to back two and three, I think I group William. So my number one is Adley Rutschman. I, I, I think William and, and Rutschman are closer together than William is to Smith. Um, and I think that's because like with the Dodgers, they've had a chance to, when they didn't have a DH in the past to use Will Smith, more of a full-time player like Adley and Contreras are uh, with the Brewers and the Orioles. So I think that extra plate, the extra plate appearances that William will probably see, assuming he stays healthy, um, keeps him ahead of Smith, in my, in my opinion. And um, I mean, if you look at like underlying metrics, the only thing that Will has um, William beat with is the uh, ground ball to fly ball percentages. Um, William Contreras is very ground ball heavy, but he hits it harder. He has a better barrel rate. So he kind of makes up for it when he does hit it in the air. And I, I just think him being in the lineup as often as he is pushes him ahead of Will Smith. Yep. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is because again, like I, I prefaced a lot of these positional debates, they're next to each other for a reason. They're very similar. The skill sets are really good. But the differentiating factor, I'm glad you said it because if I said it, people would be like, oh, yeah, okay, Bubba. But um, it's the at-bats, and that's where Adley and William really separate themselves from the rest of the pack. And almost all the catchers have benefited from the DH, almost all of them. That's been well-documented. I've A lot of people have talked about it. Uh, but the way William and Adley took advantage of it last year was tremendous. Uh, and then, like, last year, the Dodgers had J.D. Martinez, a full-time DH, so I took any chance for Will Smith to – be that dude. The year before, we all thought Will Smith would get it, and Dave Roberts flat out made it like a day off for the rest of the team. They just rotated it. And I don't see Dave Roberts changing that philosophy because the team's only getting older. So, and you have Shohei Otani now. He ain't like, there's your DH, folks. It's very simple. So, it, it just it just puts a, a cap on Will Smith's production. Not that he's bad. It just puts a cap on it where William can, you know, keep going. He can play 150 plus games because of DH and at a catcher position, that's insane. So I'm with you there. I think they're both very, very good, but everyone knows my answer. It's Will, it's William Contreras, and um, it's really not that close. Um, the next one, though, is very fun to me because it's two like two players at different points of their career. You have Wilson Contreras, the other Contreras, 147.5 ADP, and he's getting towards the end. Still very good, though. Not like super old. Then you got Francisco Alvarez, 148.63, the baby met. Like it's saw all the power last year, horrible batting average. So you got Wilson Contreras, you got Alvarez. Um, I have my thoughts, but obviously I want to hear yours first. How do you go about this one? This one's a little more obvious to me. I so when I went through catchers, I have Wilson as my eighth overall, and I have Francisco as my sixteenth overall. So um, this is my first like big eighty eighty peak disagreement with NFBC and also the two players. So. Uh, I, I, so Wilson, despite being hurt, he still had 125 games last year, which is the third most in his career. And he's always been known as one of those catchers that plays every day um, more often than or he plays more than other catchers do. And uh, he had 20 homers again. If you look at his underlying skills, um, he had a great hard hit percentage. He had a 12.2% barrel rate, which is very good for a catch. It was higher than William and Will Smith last year. He had an XBA of 279. X slug of 490. So he mashed the ball last year. This is uh, uh, Wilson. And like with Alvarez, like this, it's, it's more of the average. Like I made a point going after last season to try to avoid those batting average pitfalls. And that's what Alvarez is to me right now. He was just so inconsistent last year. Um, he has a poor contact rate. 
not much lower than Wilson's, but it doesn't help when he's so young and he strikes out more than Wilson does. Um, the power uh, metrics are pretty similar, but I, I'd rather take the the vet who might get some DH time um, versus Alvarez, who's I, I, he hasn't really showed me it. Like he has good power, but I, I don't want that 200 average on my roster. Yeah, we're on the same page here. Um, Alvarez power's great. Maybe he figures it out eventually. He'll only be 22. Like I think he will figure it out eventually and be like a 240-ish hitter, kind of like what Cal Raleigh has turned into. That's much more serviceable. But I'll be, again, the way I draft, risk adverseness, I'll be a year late on that. That's just the reality of the situation. Where I do like Wilson Contreras quite a bit. Like for a lot of the things you mentioned, like he still hit 264 last year, which is you know actually pretty good for him. But the power, another 20 home run season, stole six bags. Um, and one thing I really like is he played nicked up a lot this past year. He get hit on his hand, hit here, hit here. He was always missing like a, some time from time to time. What I think the Cardinals will do this year, he's gonna get a ton of DH run. I see him catching maybe three days a week and DH in like three days a week. I could really see that for two reasons. A, he's getting older and they want that bat in the lineup because even when dinged up, his bat was good. Like you mentioned, the skills were definitely still there. Second, Yvonne Herrera is a very good catcher, a very good young catcher. They let Anthony Kisner go and they kept Herrera to be the backup to Contreras. And I think Herrera plays at least three to four days a week. I think there's a lot there that they like. His bat's not bad either. Get him some seasoning now before Contreras is done in a couple years, maybe. Who knows? But I think Contreras can get so many at bats at DH that were he's not going to be in probably the, the William and the Adley conversation in terms of at bats, but it's going to be much better than we expect. Like you played 129 games last year. I think you're closer to 140, 145, which is a gigantic chunk of the catcher's position in differences. So I think Wilson gets a ton of DH time, which also separates this conversation in a big way. Sticking with St. Louis, let's go to the first base position. Yeah, Paul Goldschmidt, ADP of 80.25. And if I didn't say it at the beginning, I apologize. This is December 1st to December 26th ADP on uh, NFBC Draft Champions. So obviously things will vary. And there's nine total drafts. Goldschmidt, 80.25 versus Christian Walker at 89.5. You had Goldie coming off a down season. He's going to driveline. Who knows what's going to happen? Walker is slowly putting consistency together now, which is good to see. How do you look at Goldie and Christian Walker? Yeah, so for anyone who listened to when I was on not too long ago talking about um, projection debates, uh, Goldschmidt came up. He was someone I, I flagged as an interesting uh, ADP versus uh, projection discrepancy. And um, so I, I, I'm i sure you know I have my love for Christian Walker. Mm-hmm. I have uh, been big on him last couple seasons, well, more so last year than the previous season. But um, – for me, so I really want to see what the projections think, um, meaning like the bad X, ATC, when they come out and when Seamer gets updated, but so to see how far apart they are. But like with Walker, he's he's kind of on the rise or, well, he's th- I think he's 31, so he's not really young anymore, but like he's still more in, in that prime and Goldschmidt is like 35 and he's kind of coming down in the back end of his career. So, but, but like when you look at his hard hit rate, Goldschmidt, it's 50%. So like he still crushed the ball, it seems like, but I don't know. I'm just worried about that that drop-off coming next year. Like he was under 30 homers last year. Um, he's not very fast anymore. Like he's still smart. So he could probably steal a few bases, but I don't think that's gonna be a big part of his game anymore. Um, so I have Christian Walker six overall or six for first baseman and Goldschmidt nine. So not too far apart, but I definitely lean Walker, I think. Yeah. I'm with you. Like I still like Goldie. I'm look. I'm liking the discount. I think we're getting for Goldie. Like I'm looking at my rankings. I did first base a while ago. I'm going to update all these in the first week of January, but my initial ones, I had Walker seventh and Goldie eighth, like right, right yeah. next to each other. 
Um, I do like Walker a ton. I've been taking more Walker in drafts when I've had this exact question um, because I think the 30-plus home run power, we're going to get that unless something crazy happens. That's like who he is now. He had that one kind of down weird season, but it's there. Stole 11 bags last year. If you can give me 30 and 10 every season, let's go. I'm on there. And the thing I like about Walker a ton is, uh, you know, the OBP skills are really good, and his average doesn't kill you. Like, these are two things that are really big. And I and lastly, I think Arizona obviously went to the World Series. This team's going to be pretty good. You still got Cattell Marte. You got Corbin Carroll. In front of, there's guys getting on base in front of Christian Walker, which is going to add to stats. That's not saying St. Louis can't do that. Goldie's going to be pretty good, I think, still. But is it going to be that good? I agree. The uh, the decline, is it real? Does he make the improvements to driveline? Who knows? But I'll take Christian Walker over Goldie. It's close, obviously. Like we both said with our rankings, it's close. But uh, I'll take the younger guy in Walker in this, at this point in time. This one, um, it seems simple. But I don't know if it is as simple as it, as it seems. Spencer Torkelson, ADP of 125. CES, Christian Encarnacion Strand, 126.75. How do you break these two down? For me, it's not even close. So, <laughs> yeah, that's why I figured. But it's, it, I didn't think it'd be close for many. I'm starting to cut you off. I'm just surprised how close they are in ADP. <laughs> so, my thing, so I was wondering, so to, I'll say right now, so I have Torkelson as my seventh overall for our seventh first baseman. So I have him ahead of Goldschmidt. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So we can talk about, about him a little bit more. And then I have Encarnacion Strand at 34, mainly because he's not protected to start right now. They, they just have so many guys in Cincinnati that. I didn't really consider him. And if if they make a trade of like Jonathan India or something happens where it's gonna be a little more assured playing time, then I'll I'll I'm definitely move him up because like his underlying stats were pretty good. Like he had a good barrel rate, good hard hit rate. This is Encarnacion Strand. Um, so I I would like him if I knew he was gonna be playing most of the time. It's just that I don't th- I don't know if he's gonna be playing. Like he could get sent down to the minors, but um. Yeah, so I'll wait to go into Torkelson if you want to say anything. No, no, keep, keep going, keep going. I figured it'd be Torque, but the gap uh, between the the two is. Like, I have Torque as my tenth guy, so I'm not going to say you're you're crazy for where you have. I was just surprised that 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 aggressive. So, yeah, go for your Torque talk. Well, yeah, so I don't know if you remember, but it was uh, I think when you and Ryan did the first base preview on Bub and the Bloom, I I asked you guys about Torkelson. I'm like, do you guys think the hype is legit or like justified? And I, I guess I bought into it. <laughs> so, um. It's legit. Like the dude can hit. It's just the bad average is the question. That's your question mark. Right. Yeah. So like I, I was looking at his rolling graphs um, when I was doing my uh, rankings, and his, so for when you look at forty game rolling averages, his woba this gradually increased from last season all the way through this this past twenty twenty three season. Like at one point, like his rolling woba was um, close to four hundred. Like he like as the season went on, he just kept getting better, and that kind of coincided with an increase in hard hit rate. Um, not as drastic as the increase in Woba, but it, it got close to uh, 50% at one point, his hard hit rate. And at the same time, his swing strike rate hovered around 10%, which is very good, especially for a power hitter like him. So I, so the strikeout rate um, and the contact issues, I think it's maybe because he, he might be too, like he's looking for his pitch and he might be a little too passive because he doesn't chase either. His O swing was 27.7%, which is very good. And his XBA was only 251, which is this was one point higher than Christian Walker's, um, who we talked about just a minute ago. And like everything that I looked at stats wise with Torkelson was made me think that he could hit like 40 homers this year um, with potentially not an awful batting average. If uh, XBA is telling is if you can trust XBA and Curlin, I, I tweeted about Torkelson, I think, and Curlin commented on it saying, 
because he pulls a lot that it, it might cause his actual average to be low. But then I'm thinking, well, I was, when I was looking at Isaac Paredes, his XBA was like 233, but his average was higher. So I don't, it, it shouldn't work in the opposite directions when you're thinking about that. I, I'm not saying Kerlin's wrong. I just don't know how the pulling would affect one versus the other like that, you know? And um, so I, this is definitely one where I want to see what the projections say. Cause like, like we've said, I'm, I apparently I'm very aggressive on Torkelson, like based where I have him, I probably draft him on every team, but I don't want to do that. Of course. So I, for now I'm very uh, optimistic about him. I'm not knocking it because I agree. I think he's a beast. Right. Like I loved everything we saw at the end of last year. He's one of the best, the waiver wire pickups, if he was available, uh, we, like you said, we talked about it earlier is the, the games were legit. This is a guy that was a number one overall pick because he was one of the best hitting players in, in college. Like the skills are there. He's figuring it out now, which is great to see. Where does it go from here? Maybe there's another level. Who knows? Okay. That's, that could be the crazy part about it. There could be more. Detroit might hamper him a bit, but as a whole, I'm with you. I think he's really, really good. I was just, it was more of a just, well, okay. I, I like when people plant their flags. So like, I, I was, it was good to see like, we're not all just in line with ADP type thing. Um, and this, um, yeah. I was going to say, Joel Hennard in the chat, he said he'd rather have Costas who I picks or, or so later. And um, I have Costas as my eighth first baseman right now, so right behind Torkelson. And they look very similar when you look at their underlying stats. Oh, so it's yeah. it was tough to decide, to have them up both ahead of Goldschmidt. But yeah. it's the two young guys versus the old guy. So I, I, I'm I one I'm more for, like, drafting certainty. But the Goldschmidt the decline kind of scares me. So Yeah, I had uh, Costas and, and Torque right behind uh, Goldie. They're, like, right next to each other. But uh, for Joel's comment, Costas is going 15 picks ahead of Torkelson. So just so you know, it's uh, Torkelson is technically the later pick than Costas right now, which is it's fun to watch, fun to see for sure. On the CES side of it, that I just wanted to bring up, that's why it's so annoying. Like I, I totally understand your point. Get it completely. I believe they're going to trade India, but it's the hard part is they haven't traded him yet. So where do I go in the situation? Because if he plays every day, he might definitely be better than Torque. In that ballpark, you mentioned the skills we saw as the season went on. He hit for average, or at least a decent average, like 275-ish, something like that. The power was there. There's so much to like about CES, but right now the playing time, and the, because his defense isn't good. So that's his problem, and that'll keep him off the field. With the Candelario signing, there's a lot of mouths to feed. That's what makes it very good. So even um, Gialdi just joined the chat, CES is better than Torque. I agree if CES is the everyday dude. In that ballpark and everything, I'm there. But for now, he's not the everyday dude, so I give the nod to Torque. I'm with you. But if we had this conversation in, say, February, and India's wearing a different uniform, and now CES is the first baseman, this is fun. At the same time, ADP probably goes up as well. So we've got, we've got to take that into consideration also. Second base, Philadelphia Philly, Bryson Stott surprised a lot of people last year. ADP is up to 101.75. Going up against Andres Jimenez, 109.13. How do you look at those two? Yes. So right now I have Stott as my catcher 10 and Jimenez as my catcher 13. So I am team Stott right now. Um, It's it's funny when you you do the positional ranks because you kind of see like player types. And they're both like that 10 to 15 homer player with the 30 plus steal upside. So they're very similar in terms of their skill set. It's just a matter of like a situation at that point or who do you trust more? And um, yeah, with Stott, like they both don't hit the ball very well, like hard or like their barrel rates are low. So, but the one thing, so one thing I want to look at this year doing my um, 
analysis was like lineup projected lineup position and Stotts projected hit six, whereas Jimenez is projected to hit second. So I, you think I prefer Jimenez batting second, but um, I don't know something about Stott. I, I, I wasn't on him last year and I kind of wish I was, but like, I don't want to pay for last year, of course, but um, if right now I lean Stott, but I could, if you went Jimenez, I, I couldn't argue against you. I don't think. Yeah, I'm still Jimenez. It's a guy I've been on for a couple of years. Um, Stott just kind of blew up the last year. Can you do it again? Probably. The speed's legit, so it's very possible. I could be totally wrong on that one. I'll stick with Jimenez. I probably won't have either one, honestly. But um, Jimenez would be my dude out of those two. I love that. I think the power is better than it showed last year. Uh, back to the real quick here. Gialdi says, you think they aren't playing CES due to India? That's impossible. What I'm saying is with India there, with CES there, there's it's a lot of platooning. It's not everyday stuff. That's my, my if India leaves and it's automatically his DH role. But India will DH. He'll play second base. McLean might DH, but he's not playing. There's all that kind of puzzle that you have to put together, and that's what's preventing CES from uh, the everyday role to kind of get me all giddy for him type situation. Uh, the other second base debate here. This one's near and dear to my heart. This is why I probably won't have either one of the first two we talked about. Because I'll have one of these two, unless some listener screws me over. That is Zach Geloff at 137.75. Pyro Estrada at 140.75. Honestly, it's a tie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, ben, what do you like here? Yeah, so Tyro kind of fits into the Bryson Stott and Andres Amenez type of player, like the t- lower homers but higher steals. And then Geloff, I think, I've heard you and others talking about maybe like 2020 potentially for him. Mm-hmm. So I have Geloff ahead of Tyro. He's he's my so Geloff is my ninth ranked second baseman right now, and Tyro is twelve. So they're they're all mixed into with like Stott and Jimenez. But um, I'm leading Geloff right now, despite the team and um, the park. I, I don't know, like his power numbers. I like I I like the balance of the 2020 more than Tyro's like 10 to 15, 30 maybe. I mean, like I said before, it depend. I might change that my stance once projections come out, but um, that's how, that's where I am right now. Yeah, it's uh, I've talked about it before. It's if you want more power, Gilloff's definitely your dude. If you want maybe a higher speed ceiling, Tyro's your dude, and Tyro play has a better batting average. That's where you kind of look at the two. But if you want the overall power speed combo, it's Gilloff. That's why I have they're very close to me. I, I have more shares of Gilloff already this season. I like both a ton. I think 2020 for sure is in, in play, maybe 25 25. Like these dudes could put up some monster numbers. Um, I, I like both of them. I'm honestly, maybe I'm naive and overanalyzing these guys and have too much excitement for them. I'm surprised they're this far down in the ADP world compared to other guys we talked about. Like, I'd rather have both these guys over Stott and Jimenez, like we talked about. Like, to me, they're more the Glaber Torres of the world when it comes to production, and they should be going up there. So, we'll see if that changes as draft season changes. Maybe it's because other positions are getting drafted ahead of them. Who knows? But uh, I like both these guys a ton. I'll take Gell off over Estrada, but I know I need to start differentiating already because I have way too much Zach Gellof. Shortstop, the man that blew the doors off the second half last season, C.J. Abrams, ADP of 36, going up against the falling Bo Bichette at 37.88. Do you go with the second half darling or Bichette, who's proven it before, has had a down season? This one was very tough for me. So it's kind of – I think it it's, it's always like – it sounds like a cop-out answer, but I think it it actually it's meaningful. And it, I think it kind of depends on who you take before you get to this point in the draft. Um, if you have like someone like Acuna or uh, Carroll, then I would probably lean Bichette. 
But if you go with someone like Mookie first or Juan Soto, then I would probably go Abrams just to get a more balanced team. Um, so, uh, like, it's tough. So I was looking at um, – where's Jimenez? No, not Jimenez. Uh, Abrams. So when Abrams had his spike in the middle of the year, it kind of um, coincided with his BABIP going up. So I was looking at his 40-game rolling averages. And there's like this spike in his Woba in the middle of the season last year. And it, it follows the, the BABIP spike. And then they both go down. And he's kind of back to where he started the season. So I don't know if he just had a hot streak. I Like he has great contact skills, Abrams. So it's not like he has an issue with striking out or anything like that. Um, his, he doesn't have the power that Bichette has. Um, but like with Bichette, you, you're banking on the average. It's sometimes tough to do. And you, you kind of want steals at your uh, middle infield spots. And I don't. I don't think Bichette's going to steal anymore. Um, I kind of fell for that last year, taking him in the first round on a team, and it bit me. Um, so, like I, was, like I said before, it basically comes down to what your team looks like. But um, in terms of rankings, I have Bichette six and Abrams eighth. So I'm going with Bichette, I guess. Yeah, it's a real tricky one. I do agree with your caveats of like, hey, if you need this, you need that. It makes total sense. Out of the two, like my early rankings, I have Bichette over Abrams as well. The more I look at it, like Bichette feels more like the shortstop version of Alex Bregman, which is a very good player. Bregman's going at like pick 100. And I know shortstop, you, you take those early guys early for a reason, so that's why Bichette gets pushed up to that section of the draft. But um, is that what you really want at that section of the draft? Is why I compared him to Bregman? Is that what you're looking for? Because that might not pan out type situation for, for what else is on the board. So um, – I think I'll go Abrams, though. Like I said, I have to redo my rankings. These are all from uh, early December. That I, It's fun looking at them now going because I already plan on redoing them next week and already seeing a bunch of the movements I need to make uh, on these. So I think I'm going Abrams. But, again, if you already have steals early, you probably don't go to either one of these guys in reality. But uh, I'm going with Abrams. Abrams' average scares me, though. That's, that's another that's reason very why fair. I uh, – Because, like I mentioned before with um, Alvarez, uh, I'm trying to – get like trying to secure a solid average floor early on and where he's going i need to have like acuna to make up but then you're drafting like 120 steals off the bat potentially so i mean you might be set but then if one of them gets hurt then you're kind of screwed so yeah it's he's he's a tough one abrams is tough for sure so yeah and the other thing with abrams if you want to talk the positive side he's so young that there could be more power too right. that we don't even like know about. So it's one of those, like he could be the Corbin Carroll of the world, like if we really want to. So that's why he's such a, like a polarizing uh, draft pick uh, real quick. Joel Hennard had a, a question. How long are you actually waiting on second base? Well, Ben, you have not drafted yet. How do you plan? Do you plan on waiting on second base? Uh, let me get my second base guys up. Why don't you answer that first? <laughs> For me, it's like I said, I primarily have a, a lot of Zach Geloff. So that'll tell you where I'm drafting second base. If I miss out on Geloff, I'm not panicking, but I'm like quick, quickly reaching for one of the next few second basemen, or I go for Luis Rangifo. So, yeah, but no, it's, it's pretty much Zach Geloff for me. Yeah. So I don't know. So I don't have like a ADP into my sheet right now, but if I don't get like that's Albies or uh, Simeon, I'm probably waiting until the guys we just talked about, honestly. Um, yeah. So it's, it's probably post pick 100. I would, I would say I, if I don't get like a top one of the top three guys. All right. The other shortstop ADP debate I have is Trevor story at 183, Willie Adamas, 185. Adamas let a lot of us down last year. Trevor story, obviously the injury situation, but 
let's not forget a few years back, obviously in Colorado, not Boston, but he, he was like a first and second round draft pick. And I'm not saying that's who he is now. 183 is a big fall from grace at the same time. He's not Javi Baez after all. So what are your thoughts on this story versus Adamas situation? I have Adamas at 16 among shortstops and I have story at 18. So I'm team Willie right now, um, which uh, that's much lower than I had Willie last year, of course. But he, he, like you said, he disappointed last year. The thing with story is uh, I was looking at his rolling graphs once again. And since 2021, he's has a gradual increase, increase in his K rate. Like he was around 20 early 2021 and he was like around 35 uh, this past season. And, but the one thing, so I, I could plot that with his swing strike rate and that's been kind of steady, but it's, it is high. It's like, he's kind of near 15% for swing strike rate, swing strike rate, which is very bad. So I, I don't know, like he's been injured a lot. He's getting older. He's out of cores. I mean, like, yes, he has the monster, but he didn't do anything with it last year. He also was hurt last year. So I don't know if you can blame him for that, but uh, I, I'd rather take the shot on Willie rebounding than I would on story. Yeah, this one's a tricky one for me because also similar to you, everyone knows my love for Willie Adamas. Uh, this is a thing, and I'd have no problem going there. I think I'm going Trevor, though, and it's it's tough, but I, I agree the strikeout rate's concerning. He's not going to be the big average hitter anymore because he's not in Colorado, but I do think the power's legit, and he stole a ton of bags still last year. Like he, he For his limited, uh, limited time out there due to injuries, he still ran. I think there's still a 2020 guy there. And Willie can't give you, I don't think gives you 2020. Willie might give you a better overall five category line potentially. Uh, but I, th- I think Story's got that 2020 upside. And if he hits high enough in that Red Sox lineup with Devers and Costas and company, which he should, there's opportunity to be had there. So I lean Story between these two. Third base, Nolan Arenado. We got a Cardinals theme here. Nolan Arenado, 101.25 against the youngster Josh Young, 103.88. Where are you going on this one? They are back-to-back for me. I have Young at 10 and Arenado at 11, so I'm leaning Young. Um, for as much hype that Young got last year, when I was looking at his stats, uh, he almost had a 30% strikeout rate, which I was surprised to see. And that was something that concerned me going into last year because when he got called up in 2022, he struck out all the time. And people were saying, well, he never did it in the minors, but um, he kind of did it again last year over a full season. So I'm definitely a little worried. Uh, his power profile seems better than Arenado's, but Arenado – he, like Arenado knows how to pull the ball, which you don't really, it's hard to capture that when you're looking at stats, unless you're like have pull rate and stuff like that. But um, I know like Arenado kind of falls into the Goldschmidt camp with me. Like you got the younger guy who's kind of ascending. Then you got Arenado who's just been there, done that. So you would think I would prefer Arenado, but I like his year wasn't that good last year. If you look at it, like he didn't score a lot of runs, he's slow and his average was, isn't that good anymore. So he's kind of like a, two two and a half category guy if that if he hits 30 homers which he i don't think he hit 30 last year so he's I, he might be declining with goldschmidt or even faster than goldschmidt is so i don't know if i'll be in on both a lot but i right now it's young for me yeah it's young for me as well uh i think you know goldie i'm the least more optimistic on things kind of at least steadying or getting a little better potentially Arenado showed so many signs of frustration last year like he was a topic of many bloom boards throughout the season and it just never came to be never came to be and Eventually, father time wins. Now, maybe Arenado proves me wrong, but I'll take the chance on the younger Josh Young, who showed great skills at times last year. I think there's even more to what he can do if he can stay healthy another season. Like, I'll take Josh Young in that offense, especially that that's another thing. That Texas Rangers offense is just primed to, to produce in a big way. So, give me Josh Young. Third base again, Ryan McMahon, two twenty six point five. Heimer Condelario, 
227.13 on paper. This looks very simple, but what's your thoughts? Yeah, this one was tough for me to figure out. So mm-hmm. I have Heimer at 18 and McMahon at 19. So I lean Heimer slightly, but uh, so the, we didn't really talk about it yet with the Reds guys, but the, we alluded to it directly, but um, or we didn't talk about it directly is like with Friedel and Candelario and Steer, who we haven't talked about. Like uh, I'm worried about the playing time with all these guys. Cause they're all like the same play. Like, they'll play the same positions. And with Strand in India there, like uh, it's hard for me to feel too good about any one of them for playing time. And, but then when you have McMahon, he has an awful platoon split. He's bad on the road. So, but he has better, like his better metrics McMahon does than Candelario. So it's like they're neck and neck. I mean, if he, they both have dual eligibility, which is nice One uh, Heimer is first McMahon is second. So that might sway someone's decision in a draft, but for me, like, well, the park for Candelario helps his power a lot. I think, I mean, you could say the same for McMahon and Coors, but it's more for his average. So they're very similar players. I think too, I, I slightly lean Candelario, but not by much. I'm going to Candyman coming off a career season. We saw the gains be uh, made there. He's the better defender than the other first base options in uh, Cincinnati. They made it sound like he's their everyday first baseman. Obviously that's all coach speak for now. Cause there are a lot of mouths to feed. So I agree. My, in my mind, I'm I'm making him the primary first baseman. Could be totally wrong. The one thing I'll say about McMahon, and I say it every year, and his price tag keeps dropping, which is nice. If you just want to pencil in 20 to 23 home runs and five to six stolen bases and a 240 average, that's not a bad thing to be able to just pencil in at pick 220. Like that's a pretty nice thing to pencil in at 220. Uh, I don't think you're gonna get much more than that. So just remember that. But it makes McMahon enticing. I'll still go the Candyman. That's my guy. I'm very optimistic there. Again, could be totally wrong, but I'll go Candelario on that one. A couple outfield ones here for us. Seiya Suzuki, 110.75 versus Lane Thomas, 111.25. Suzuki, second half, much better as he got healthy. Lane Thomas had a heck of a season. How do you go about these two? Yeah, so I was doing outfield last before we hopped on to record, and right now I have Lane Thomas 19th at the position and Seiya at 23. Uh, I really don't feel that great about, about where I have Lane Thomas. I, I was after dropping him down from, I think I had him at 16, and then I was looking at ADP, I was cheating. And I'm like, well, I'm a little high on him. I'm still high on him compared to where DCs or uh, the, the ADP is. Uh, like, If you look at like heart, all the underlying metrics that I have here, like barrel, um, barrel rate, exit velocity, contact rate, um, stuff like that, say is, he looks like a better player. Um, I, I feel better about... Thomas's speed, though, which is you have to be mindful of with um, needing more steals this year. Um, so, yeah, it's right now it's Thomas for me, but I'm, it could very well change in the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm gonna pretty much say ditto to what you said. Is uh, I have such a hard time when I when Lane Thomas is on the board, like knowing what to trust. 28 homers, 20 stolen bases last year with a good average was awesome. I'm gonna deny that. You know, he's in a lineup with Abrams and Manisis got better in the second half. The power wasn't there, but got better. There's decent options there. Still not great by any means in, in Washington. We're saying, I think there's another level to him. He was so banged up last year, uh, even coming into the year throughout the season. Really good team in, in Chicago still. It's very tough. I, I'm with you. I lean Lane Thomas, but 100% wouldn't be shocked if I'm in the middle of a draft and I end up picking Seiya Suzuki out of the two. That, that's That's definitely on the table. The thing with Thomas too. So I was going to his rolling graphs, and he had this he had this spike with his woba, babip, and hard hit rate in the summer, which was kind of when he picked up 
steam and then he went back like so like he had one of those hot streaks again and uh yeah it's hard it's hard to say for sure what um uh we're gonna get from him this year i mean like last year he was going so much later too so it's it's tough to pick when you drafted him last year like i did at that adp it's tough to pay up for like a yeah. top 100 pick so that's our whole conversation when I say about our our biases. It's tough to be like, wait a minute, I got this discount last year. I'm not paying for this again. And I hate paying for career years. That's like a big thing of mine. Like I, I hate paying for career years. And that was a career year, hopefully, for Lane Thomas. Um, two more here. TJ Friedel, 148.5 versus Ian Happ, 150.13. I see a ton of similarities in these two guys, by the way. So uh, how do you look at Friedel and Happ? So I have Happ at 30 and Friedel at 31. Yep. Uh, so I lean half. So Friedel was someone I had on a lot of teams last year too. So um trying not to be partial, but like the park helps him so much. And like I've said before with uh, the other reds, like I, I don't trust the playing time that much because um, he was in and out of the lineup at times last year. And uh, depending on what they do with CES, like he could be on the bench. They still have Jake Fraley, who they liked a lot last year too. Um, Friedel has like no, his barrel rate 3.2%, which is awful. His hard hits bad. Like none of his X stats were good. Um, I feel like he got everything he could have gotten out of last season, and Hap's more of a sure thing. So I should probably have them farther apart. But um, yeah. So I I, I probably lean Hap more than I have it. I would say. It's funny. I have Friedel thirty and Hap thirty one. So we're we're <laughs> right in the same boat. I'm yeah. going Friedel because yes, there will be some platoon times there, but for the most part, he's the regular. Fraley kind of went to the curbside as the season went on, and Friedel became the dude. I don't see that changing as much. Again, it, we'll say it a million times, a lot of mouths to feed in Cincinnati, hoping somebody that gets ironed out as, a, as the pre, uh, preseason goes on. But I'm going to go Friedel out of the two, but that's nothing against Ian Happ. So I guess my hardest thing with Happ is this season, is he going to be a power guy or an average guy? Because that's been the, di- the difference every year. It's one or the other. And it's like when you draft him, you're drafting him for the one that he probably just did. And then he goes and does the other thing, which it's cool and all, but it kind of messes up your whole you know, roster construction build. Still, heck of a ball player, knee and a half. No problem with that at all. One of the big, th- one of the big things that swayed me, I think, was so Friedel played most of the season, and he only had uh, six or seventy-three runs, sixty-six RBIs, and um, half was 80-80. So that's a good point. Um, because of where Friedel hit in the lineup, in the order, first lefties yeah. and stuff, and platooning. So like Hap's going to be in there every day. So that's I think that's why I have had one spot ahead, but I. I like I said, that's pretty close. But no, that's that's a good point, which maybe means I should probably because that those at bats will add up in, in a big way. So that's a a very very good point in that one for sure. Uh, last one we have here: James Outman, one seventy point seven five versus Chaz McCormick at one seventy four. Astro said McCormick's going to play every day or pretty close to it. We think Outman will. How do you look at these two? I have McCormick 32, so right behind Happen Friedel, and then I've Outman at 39 right now. Um, so uh, I didn't say this on the podcast, but one thing I did this year doing my rankings was I took ADP out of it, and Outman was someone that I had to search for because uh, the steamer projection that I use doesn't like him for uh, for at bats. Like he was kind of down. The, I think he was like right behind Kerry Carpenter and projected at wow. bats, um, which is so. That's which not, which when you look at this ADP, you expect a lot more playing time um, yeah. than like that some like being down that low. So like with Outman, he has a high, very high strikeout rate, like almost 32% last year contact rate of less than 67%. Um, so I, I, it's not really close for me. I just kind of, I'll probably move Outman down eventually, but I, 
like we talked about this with on the projection um, comparison show, you brought up McCormick as one of the guys that uh, there's a discrepancy between um, ADP and uh, his projection. But like we mentioned, then it doesn't account for the playing time um, statement that Dust or whoever the manager is now made. So I like McCormick um, more than Outman. Yeah, I like McCormick more. I still like Outman quite a bit. I think there's a lot to like. There's a 2020 bat there. Uh, but I love McCormick. That is a 2020 bat. We saw it last year. I think he plays even more. So I, I'm a big fan of what McCormick can do there as that Astros offense is still going to be clicking in a, in a big, big way. So no problems with that at all. All right, that wraps up our debate section of the show. We have one listener question to knock out real quick, and that's from our buddy Colin shot. What's the deal with Vaughn Grissom? Steamer projects 220 plate appearances. Steamer 600 gives him 11 homers, 11 steals, and a 280 average. As a small side of an outfield platoon with uh, clinic. December DC ADP is 376 near Luis Garcia of Washington, Lamont, and uh, Benintendi. Do we think over under 220 at bats or plate appearances? Over under 11 homers and steals, ADP too high or too low. What's your thoughts on Vaughn Grissom? Yeah, I, I think that's too early, that ADP. Um, I think it's like that because he, it probably kind of got cemented from when uh, before the uh, Kalanick trade. So I think people were still drafting and they saw him there and they're kind of still taking him there because uh, it's going to take a lot to shift that ADP um, for right now. I would take him maybe in a draft and hold once other quote unquote reliable starters are gone. So um, like once you fill out your roster, you still want guys who are projected to start every day um, for your first bench spots because you never know where you're going to need them. And he's not that right now because he, because of the platoon um, potential right now. And I mean, who knows Kalnick made his struggle like he did it to, to, to end the season last year. And Vaughn made his get play every day, definitely possible, but um yeah, I mean, even the six hundred steamer six hundred is kind of low for him. I was, I thought it would yeah. be higher than eleven eleven, but um, yeah, I wouldn't take him at that ADP right now. Yeah, no, I'm all out on Vaughn. If he's platooning, I'm out. Um, there's so much hype behind him. I guess prove it. I, I just don't think he. If he was as good as he was, I think he'd be playing over Arcia. I know his defense isn't good, but or he'd be playing somewhere. Let's put it that way. Yeah, consistently, he's not. So he's a platoon piece, short side of a platoon. I'm out for now. That's the way I look at it. Uh, William Jones here in the chat says, I heard the steamer projections referenced. How do you leverage that? Do you prefer per at bats or game metrics totals? How do you blend the two? Good question, Mr. William Jones. Um, Ben is a good guy to ask that to as well. He's a good projection mind on this one. So what's your thoughts on this, Ben? All right. So um, good question, William. So for me personally, um, I use the projections to mainly to draft, but I also, so I like I'm talking about making my initial uh, positional rankings right now. So once uh, ATC, the bad X, and then the new steamer are out, I'll average those together. Um, I've mentioned on the previous show, so if you haven't heard that, um, I, I use Z scores to look to. Yeah, we, we do we, we do a deep project. There's a deep projections article or podcast I did with Ben a couple times ago. So check that out too. But sorry, continue. Right. Yeah, I'll give you a little more background on Z scores. Um, so I look at the Z scores. It's kind of like an SGP, but it's it's calculated differently. And I see how the ranks of those Z scores compare to my rankings at each position. So then I'll maybe tweak some guys. Like I'm not, I was unsure about Torkelson, so maybe I'll move him down because I'm a little too high even to the projections what they have, stuff like that. And then um, when so then I merge them all together, all my positional rankings, and then I have the 
steamer projections or well, it's actually like an aggregate at that point of the other of the three uh, sources when I'm drafting. And I use that average um, to track my team stats against 80 percentiles. So I use them. I use projections in my rankings, initial uh, rankings creation process. And then as I draft too. Um, and as for per at bat or game metrics, I don't really look at that. I, I care more about the um, the aggregate totals. Um, I don't look at Seamer 600 really because there's some pros and cons of doing that, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I think I got most of your question, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that was really good. And yeah, uh, William, if you go back and listen a, a few episodes ago, Ben's on like every couple weeks. So uh, I can't remember which one it was, but we did a big projections. We compared uh, Steamer, t- or we compared how projections last year actually survived, basically, for how they performed compared to uh, the end result versus the projection, I should say. And then there was some other fun stuff as well. So a lot, a lot of good stuff is Ben's a big projections guy. And and uh, I'm looking forward to Bad X, ATC, and the new Steamer. That's usually – I think we get all three usually by like mid-January, give or take. Maybe the third week in January we should have all of them. Because um, I know the Bad X, I thought I saw somewhere around the 10th, give or take. Could be wrong. Could be just – could be dreaming these things because it does really escalate the uh, – the draft season we start getting all these projections out there and and get going but um good stuff as always any final thoughts ben is uh the year is wrapping up you're getting your rankings going any thoughts on maybe things that have surprised you so far as you're getting in, involved and you're joining the party right now yeah for sure uh i'm getting excited to, to get drafting um just noticing some like how i tweeted about this the other day uh third base kind of switched spots with shortstop i think mm-hmm. in terms of um the depth or like there's like a massive tier of good short of third baseman now it feels like and then it kind of drops off um or maybe that was first it was one of the positions i, I like catcher was like that too like you have like third the, base yeah what was that about third base your your tweet was about third base i remember yeah that. so um yeah like shortstop seemed kind of weak um or a lot of questions i should say i don't know like uh, right now i'm big on um Noel V. Marte, I'm surprised about that too. <laughs> Me, the projection, one of the projection guys, and I, I like Mar- Marte, but um, yeah. So I'm getting excited. Uh, pitching, I'm not looking forward to doing starting pitching because I, I like I, I'm gonna do relievers first, and then once I finish outfield, I'll go to relievers, and then I'll do starters last. But that might take a couple of days, and uh, yeah. yeah. So once that's done, um, wait for those projections to come out, and I'll uh, make my overall rankings. Then I'll hop into a DC. But uh, nice. That's the plan. Nice. Looking forward to it, and uh, we'll be chatting again probably before that all happens. But uh, appreciate you joining me as always, and uh, look forward to doing it again probably in a few weeks. All right, yeah, thanks for having me again. Always uh, pleasure. Awesome as always. Make sure you check out Ben on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. I'm at BD Intercope. Everybody has a happy and safe New Year. We'll catch you all next time. This was Ben Swift Bubba, episode 619. Catch you later.